0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Amana uh, podcast. This is a collective of people, places, things, and actions that transcend us. They're conversations around what are your values, your higher virtues, how do you live towards those virtues, and what brings you undone, and how do you get back out of that? Today, we've got Gary Costin. So welcome, Gary.
1: Uh, Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me, and uh, good to be here.
0: Absolutely. Gary and I met uh, and are mates, and you'll notice by our accents, although we do live in Yankee land, uh, that we're Aussies and uh, became good mates a few years back and have had some great times both professionally and personally together. And today we're going to have a discussion around kind of Gary's journey and what that entails, both professionally and personally, um, around virtues and some of his adventures. So Gary, would you be willing to share with us around, uh, let's start with your business and how you set up your business and what that's about and how it came into being?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, no, no problem. Yeah, so uh, so I've set up uh, the uh, International Institute for Executive Training um, probably now 13 to 15 years ago, I, I, I think. Um this was born uh, from, uh, like most of my career, being in uh, a uh, an organisational development space, uh, consulting background uh, and um, L&D. Um, there was a need uh, I identified in the market uh, many years ago that... Um, the the, the level of consulting and uh, work that I do, the the gap in the market was, uh, I guess guess it was around providing, uh, you know, like skill sets, uh, behavioral uh, lessons and techniques to executives that perhaps come out and work in an environment, executive environment, but really don't know how to execute out on you know using a lot of those tools and skills and techniques they may have learnt. And so that's where I identified a gap. And subsequently, you know, uh 13 years later, we're we're still going strong uh, around the world.
0: Yeah, talking around the world, so I'm I imagine did you start this in Australia?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so this was born uh in in Australia and, and uh so how this came about was uh, I was working for a um, one of the largest uh, tele- telco companies in Australia, Optus, and I was heading up a division uh, in 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 Optus, and I established uh, established them as a as a training organisation. And very quickly, the uh, department or division I set up uh, became the most profitable division within the uh, within the company. And uh, on the back of that, um, some, some friends of mine had, had taken up senior positions in Singapore, one um, large uh, organisation in Singapore, and he said, look, on the back of what you've done in Australia, you know, we'd heard about the success that you had, uh, and they asked, would you uh, would you come over and talk to my executives? And I said, well, okay, sure, I don't know how that qualifies me to, to, to come over and talk about it and stand up in front of a whole bunch of people, but I thought, sure, why not? And um, if only I knew now what I'd known uh, then, I would have charged him a lot more. <laughs> but uh, so subsequently uh, I went over, I, I gave uh, a talk about, you know, setting up, uh, I, I guess, a, a division or a company, uh, what was required, the resources, the business planning, um, the marketing plan, putting everything together and then executing and, and then delivering on that. And basically, the executives love that. Um, they told some other people uh, that were heading up some companies in Singapore, they contacted me and said, we heard what you did uh, with um, Patrick's company, the friend of mine, and would you come and do it with ours? And I said, excuse me, who are you? and uh, how do you know me and uh, I went oh okay and basically that's how I I was born into setting up and and doing what I do now
0: yeah terrific one of the things that I have in my office here uh, is a global pin board and I've pinned a lot of the places I've been to and the places that I would like to get to and I would consider I'm I've certainly seen a lot of the world, but I certainly have a long way to go. And running into you, I went, oh my gosh, this guy's seen corners that most people didn't know existed. <laughs> so, because this is a, a podcast of transcending things and, and virtues, I'd be interested to kind of take a leap here from that, from your setting up your business, but how you've landed and some of these interesting places you've landed in and how that's transcended you, I would imagine, or transformed you. Yeah. Um, and some of the experiences that you've had, because they're really been in, like I said, corners that uh, most of us aren't even aware of.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that, that's for sure, Mark. Um, you know, uh, one of the, um, you know, privileges I've, I've been able to attain by, you know, Setting up my business and then, you know, getting to to these countries around the world and and being able to to offer, you know, uh, sort of a valuable impact in terms of knowledge transfer, um, skills, experience, and help individuals and companies and governments grow. It's um, it's certainly you know one of the highest highlights of of why I do what I do. Um, you know, it, it's it's fantastic to see that transformation occur within, within you know, people and, and countries and, and companies. Um, to touch on, you know, where I've been, um, I'm not sure how long you want the podcast to go for.
0: Give us about five really remote places that okay. most people couldn't even pronounce, including myself.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh I've been, uh, I went to uh, Ethiopia and then I went down uh, into sort of the southern part of Ethiopia, um, near where they're having some problems at the moment actually. So um, th- that was uh, very interesting. I was working with the Ministry of Finance uh, in Ethiopia and one of the projects that I was uh, heavily involved in was um the damming of the Nile, and that's what they're, they're currently doing in Ethiopia is a, a massive infrastructure project and obviously um, uh, power generation and so on. And so I was lucky enough to sort of travel to sort of the, a remote part of Ethiopia um, going through like some landscapes that you could easily describe as Mars, <laughs> uh, you know, red, red dust Rock, rocky uh, geography—you uh, know, burnt uh, trees almost—and then, you know, in, in the middle of this, you know, um, sort of horizon, you, you like it's almost like a, a mirage appears of of these huts and villages, and 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 some of the the, the people come out and they're. They're covered in in red dust to prevent you know burning and mud almost and and they're colourful and and warming and and so that that would be one of the the, the experiences I, uh, I I would sort of mention which was uh, amazing. Um, a, another experience I can uh, share with you. Uh, lucky enough to do quite a, a lot of work in in Africa in general, but um, in in Nairobi in Kenya. Um, I have some uh, partners there that do a lot of the uh groundwork for me in terms of uh you know marketing and and event coordination for some of the seminars and conferences that that we uh that we we do so i went out uh on uh, on one of the times and uh went to the Maasai uh warriors and the tribes and um proceeded to it's customary that uh you drink blood uh, from the cow
0: there you go
1: yeah um, and needless to say on a uh, on a 38 degree uh, day heat, which is about a hundred and say five Celsius, and you drink some curdled hot blood. I can tell you it uh, you hold your nose and do it quickly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that transformed something, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, so any parasites I had in my gut, I'm sure I got a few more. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'll throw one in there too, and and, uh, and I still talk about this a lot and then forever grateful to you, is that you brought me along to one of these trips on Nairobi, and yes. I had been to Nairobi on a safari before and out to the Maasai landscape and right. met the tribes, and some of the things that – you know, a term, I don't know who came up with it, but tribonomics, yeah. um, learning how all these different tribes can get along, uh, how they come together, together, what works, what doesn't, and particularly coming from our little island of Australia, it's it's very different than than the way we were raised. You in the bush, me in the city, right. now we've kind of flipped it here where you're more in the city of Los Angeles and I'm in the little country town of Ojai. Um, But that was a great experience for me. And then further along, you took me, well, you you shipped me off really to Malawi, (laughs) which was was a 33-hour flight. And being the poorest country GDP-wise on the planet, uh, it was a very interesting experience working with government officials and how things work there. And I continue to tell the story of my taxi driver who had 25 wives and his, <laughs> his minister had 52. And I thought, how how do you handle any of that? Um, it's just very, very different from, from the ways that I had been raised or, or how you have these conversations around business, government, structure, uh, skill sets. It certainly transformed me. So, you know, know that your good works are... Uh, Having an effect beyond yourself. Having said all that, um, and I know that you've done lots of work in Asia and Europe, and you've you really have been all around from yeah. South, you know, South America and the States. So, um, what has led you to these things, Gary? What do you care about? Why do you keep going? What, in terms of a value set or a virtue? Yes. What what um, kind of leads your torch through? Through these mazes,
1: yeah, that, that's a, that's a great question, and I think, Mark, uh, you know, I alluded to it before, but you know, it, it's it's very much, um, I, I've recognised my uh, ability uh, to, to to put together, you know, a, a good. Um, set of information, if you like, in in various different, like, areas, whether it be spiritual and behavioural and and, and psychological, um, whether it is technical, um, uh, required, um, and, and, um, like, skill sets and and experiences and weave that into a, a good communication flow that seems to resonate with many different cultures around the world. And 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 that um, ability to be able to connect with vast you know countries and cultures and 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 as you mentioned like diverse people, um, and then explaining it like information broadly information in, in, in a way that's relevant for them to actually see um, you know benefit that they can take back and help improve their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that that sound that for me that 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 is that that, that is one of the, the biggest you know impacts to, to is doing that for people and i guess being you know i guess another thing is being a servant leader just like the, the big man
0: hmm. you know? so is there a virtue or a value that, that in a word that you kind of that leads that for you
1: yeah, I, I think so. I, th- I think for me, and in my experience, I think a lot of it is, um, if I can say, you know, virtual or values. I, I, I think it's, um, you know, like integrity. You know, with, without sort of sounding too cliche or corny, but but you know, I, I genuinely, you know, believe that. So, just having integrity, you know, for, for you for what you do and and you know your belief system about how you. Make a difference to the world and what you, what impact you can have, and 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 leave a mark and a legacy, um, I, I, and a, a positive one and one that that helps people. So I, I think integrity, um, you know, is good. Um, leading by example, which sort of lends itself a little to that, and then mm-hmm. I think also, you know, like. Yeah, I, I, I just sort of, you know, hard work. I, I've always sort of been brought up, you know, I was brought up on a, on a farming you know vineyard background in Australia and, and my dad worked seven days a week, you know, 12 hours a day and, and when he and mum went on a holiday, if, if they went on holiday rarely, you know, if, if any more than three days and he was like, oh, I think I better get back to, to work, you know, and, and I, I, I sort of enjoy that, that, that work ethic. So they're the sort of things that, that keep me going.
0: Yeah, terrific. And and for our listeners, is there out of one of your courses, now you have a I know you have a an array of courses that you offer from leadership to communications to supply chains, but is there something with integrity that you could pull out as a tool or a model that you help people with that leads them to their own integrity?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, um, so I do a lot of work, um, uh, I guess, uh, around, uh, I guess, like transformation, so transformational leadership, I Mm -hmm. I think is big, uh, given the current environment that everyone's experienced, and I mean everyone around the world in the last, you know, 18 months with COVID, I think that's um, like that transformation and adaptability, a- agility, and, um, you know, the, the, the change and the change management. I, I've No matter what I've done over the, the, the 15 years, whenever I start, you know, talking about agility and um, transformation and change management, it resonates with everyone. Everyone can see a need within themselves but within an organization because you know there's it's ever changing and so you know to have those skills and 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 awareness and and tools really about what to do and how to do it when when things occur is um is hugely hugely beneficial
0: and so is there a particular I'm drilling down here because yeah, sure. I'd like to people to have a takeaway um of and I know I'm hitting you with this kind of off the top of my head here Uh, but something that would be very practical that someone could go oh this is how you do transformation or this is a process that uh, helps me look at change
1: yeah sure so just on the change I mean I use a number of different models but one thing that uh, seems to resonate well is um, it's called Cotter's uh, eight-step process Mm -hmm. and so John Cotter is a famous psychologist and entrepreneur Uh, has been using this for for many, many years, and um, I've managed to to find a lot of information when writing uh, a number of our programs that we deliver. I've written a lot of the content for it and, uh, I guess, modified, amalgamated that into, into, you know, how I see it and what I've learned over the years. And so that would be a good framework to use, uh,
0: the John Cotter 8-step model in change management. What would be one of those steps do you do you recall off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, sure. So obviously, I think I mentioned before. so so you know uh, in in any uh, change process, any transformation, a leader or an individual or an organization uh, needs to be able to first and foremost be able to articulate and communicate a clear sound vis- vision about why it is we need to change. What the benefits are of change, and and not not just tell me what the benefits are, but actually involve me in the decision making process about well, what's my vision for this change as well?
0: Mm. So and understanding the why factor,
1: correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so it's that, and so you know, having a clear vision. Um, one thing that's really interesting that I've learned and 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 in consulting that I see is within corporate. And I think this stems from teachings from universities, and in the '80s, perhaps, um, is a lot of organisations I find envelope themselves in too much corporate speak. Mm-hmm. And while I think you know there is a need to impress sometimes people with your vocabulary, I'm I'm not sure that that level of speak resonates through to all the key stakeholders hmm And and so one thing I do is is sort of debunk the um you know the the myth around you know trying to create as much corporate speak as you can and then deliver a message or in this case a vision around that and having the impact through the organization with key stakeholders to drive it. You that the statistics and the studies show that you fall short by up to 70%. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I I look at and doing is, first of all, have a clear vision about your change or a project or an initiative and be able to describe that vision to me in under
0: eight seconds. Is there a company that you work with that you feel like got a good hold of that or certainly did best efforts?
1: Well, yeah, no, absolutely. There was a company I worked with, it was a, uh, a large mining company in Australia called Downer Mining, so EDI, Downer Mining. Mm-hmm. And I was able to work with some of their uh, senior executives and we were doing a planning, you know, strategy planning session and this was part of a project. And basically what happened was we had a, a good cross-section of stakeholders in the strategic planning um, session there were people from on site, like the workers. We had uh, uh, some suppliers come in. We had obviously your normal HR people. We had uh, some some executives on board, so there was a good cross section of people uh, mm-hmm. in the session. And uh, of course, as I mentioned, you know, I was uh, going around uh, working with, trying to get creative and word word smithing uh, with everyone, and you know, a lot of the executives and uh, HR and a lot of the suppliers, you know, were talking about to be the preeminent and using a lot of corporate speak and to be Mm. the excellence of service and...
0: Leading leading the industry.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you know, if you shut your eyes and just heard that, you would think it's any company, right? And so it didn't really give any clear distinguishable, you know, Traits that people could latch onto, which really drives culture and drives change, right? And so it took obviously someone from the site to stand up, and and basically um, this person said, Well, the truth of the matter is, and it was a, a mining iron ore company, and he mm-hmm. said, The truth of the matter is we dig dirt cheap. <laughs> And as you can laugh, and everyone else in the laugh was almost like you know, drop the mic moment. Yeah, brilliant. And and, and, exa- and exactly, and 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 that was an example that we worked through. And everyone and I just stood up and clapped. And I think you know, this is what I've been telling you. And and like I was just saying to before, you know, a lot of the meaning gets lost with too much confusion and corporate speak because in this day and age we're fighting for every little piece of communication with social media with news with friends and you know when you're at work and if the information is too congested convoluted you lose the meaning and impact and so when this guy said we dig dirt cheap and you're an iron ore company everyone just went you know hallelujah
0: nailed it yeah. i love it
1: yeah yeah so you know I found
0: that too in my work that I try and move towards almost a mantra or yeah. a um a very short statement that's punchy. I love the mission of the Ritz Carlton, you know, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. It yeah. it just says a lot, you know, yeah. and, and it has honor and pride and all kinds of uh values can be extracted from that. Um yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's so true, yeah.
0: Going back to your value of integrity, I'd be interested, and I think we all get tested on this, no doubt. Where have you been tested or where do you come undone with your integrity? Um, and, And knowing you, I know you have good integrity, but I no doubt know that it gets tested, particularly in some of these maybe other countries or, you know, just business itself can be challenging and when it comes to contracts or people you, you know, relationships you're working with. Do you have an example of that, Gary?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, look, you know, it, it's interesting, you, you know, it, there is a number, like you, you touched on it before, um, so, so working in some of the developing countries, the governance that, maybe is there in more developed countries uh, is lacking and subsequently, and, and it's interesting, you know, I have thought about this a while, but it, it's interesting. It doesn't mean that they're trying to be misleading and do it, like, unethically, but sometimes that's been built in their culture. And one one of the examples I can give you um, uh, is, well, you mentioned, you know, like uh, in Africa. So it was one thing that was you know discussed with me by someone very senior in government he goes yes we're in government but we have what we call tribal ticks so it's not <laughs> politics but tribal ticks and i went oh please do explain and so he was saying well you have your system of doing things in government in the west where there is this you know a hierarchy and there's governance and you know ethical procedures and 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 you know for the most part that's fine but he said what you have to understand is we still have a very strong cultural um, uh, you know relationships with with how we you know live our lives and that extends into you know a western framework in terms of government and I went okay and he said so for example if the chief uh you know wanted you after harvest in 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 the village wanted you to you had to bring all your your crop into the chief and he would you know Distribute the the crop to the village as he saw fit, because that's why he's the chief. And some of the corruption we may call it here um, that you might see in some of these less you know developed countries is an example of that, where people that who's been nominated in in a senior position in government, let's say, if they determine that they want to allocate contracts. To certain, uh, you know, contractors or procurement, then that can be seen as well. That's my prerogative because I'm the chief.
0: Yeah, got it.
1: And 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 we may look at that and think, yeah, well, that's just biased and corrupt. And it's like, well, no, because that's why I'm nominated the chief.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And and it takes a little bit to to sort of digest, but once you you know get explained that, you can tend to sort of understand the. I guess the the, the contrast of, of how we think and how they do and how they're trying to adopt a, a system that that we have in place
0: and that's a great example and and anything from uh, you know let's call it pro- professional personal where your integrity gets yeah. tested uh, and and how and, and let's say if you d- do screw up because you know' we're, we're kind of mistake machines. Right, and, you know that's why God, I think, gave us forgiveness—not um, yes. <laughs> erases on our head, but for forgiveness. Where, where have you kind of been, God? I, I feel like I've stepped out here, and how do you get back into your integrity?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, look, look, it has, you know, been posed to me. You know, there's no question. Um, you know, it could be getting awarded, you know, certain contracts where, you know, particularly in government uh, in some of these less developed countries where the procurement um, person uh, who's issuing the, uh, the the contract, you sometimes need to pay, and, and that was explained to me very clearly that I need to pay a um, an additional service fee so they could process the contract. Mm-hmm. Which was never a service fee at all. It was a fee direct to the person so they would make sure that I got the contract. Gotcha. And you know, and it would it could have easily been done and no one would have no problem at all and would have just been like, Look, I could easily have gotten away with this and and would be no problem. But you know, then I've all once you've done that once. You've got that laying over your head, and is that an expectation going forward? And is that something that you know? You it took me so long to build my brand and my reputation just mm. to tarnish it in in one one decision. I I you know was it was very easy to get myself back on track um, re- regarding it because you know. Uh, you only get one last name unless you want to change it, but you know what I mean. You only have one yes. last name and and unless you want to change your name, then you're stuck with it. So whatever you decision you make, you better make a good one when it comes to your brand and your company's brand.
0: <laughs> yeah. and And so you know integrity obviously obviously crosses over from professional to personal. However, let's move on to your personal life more. In the sense of what would be a value or virtue that you really care about just in life in general, and how do you kind of lead? How does that lead you in your life?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. In, in personal, I mean, you know, again, obviously, that the integrity is there, as you said, but I, I, I like to think, you know, certainly, I, I think I like to do a lot of things with a lot of humility. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, you know quite humble and being you know having a lot of humility about things you do and and you know just get up and and and, and get about it and, and just do it without sort of making a big sort of song and dance about things that's why I'm probably I, I should probably learn more to use more social media to demonstrate the things I've done but I guess you know that's my humility coming out
0: mm, humility humility's a a great quality. And, and when do you find yourself out of humility and then how do you get yourself back in?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think, you know, po- possibly, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I, I, t- I try to think I'm mostly pretty humble. I mean, you know, I, I, I do things I don't need a lot of, you know, recognition for what i have or haven't done or, you know i'm i'm I sort of a best judge my own character and my own you know approach to, to things so I, I i couldn't really give you a specific example like you know once i've sort of not been humble about something i've done or, or a situation i'm in and and you know not thought that you know i need to pull back a bit you know because I, I i think it's like look you know just get on with it and, and do it and you know yeah so i i don't got in a short answer to your question i haven't really got a specific example where i can say look i didn't think i've acted with humility here but you know i checked myself and this is what i did i don't really have something there to sort of latch on to
0: yeah so um uh, just to give some of my thoughts around this for, for you even is and knowing you is uh and, and this is my compliment to you. I, I don't know many people, Gary, who have built an institution, gone to the places that they've done without an institution underneath them or a partnership or another force of nature. And I know you're lucky enough to have a beautiful wife that supports you and both professionally and personally, but uh, you really do wear your own hat. And one of the things that I notice with you, similar to myself, I would like to say is that I, I find you a collector of hearts.
1: Yeah. you
0: find people that have good hearts that care about what they're doing and, and their lives, and that they usually got a colorful character to them or an interesting story set behind them yeah. Um, and the way that you go about that, in my observation, is is, is a very Aussie approach, which I call is shake and bake. <laughs> <laughs> it's testing people to go, you know, who are you, what are you? And Australia, as a, an ocarism, if you will, is to knock someone down very quickly, but not too far that they've fallen, uh, but just to make sure that their, their head's not too big on their shoulders, but at the same time, they've got enough confidence and here we are as mates. And I think you, um, in in, let's say the humble approach, glorify that. Um, And and particularly because you don't live in Australia, it stands out even more uh, because other cultures aren't used to that. I, I certainly see it in America though, like you can't say things like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, well, yes, I can, because I'm <laughs> free and you're not, and you're bound by your own prejudice and, and uh sensitivities, and I've got no malice sitting behind it. I'm just here going, How are you? So um I love I love that we can jive and, and joke about that. I think we have a common uh person that we don't know. I don't know him, but Jim Jeffries as a comedian. from australia that that performs a lot here in the states and lives in the states has amplified that also and and uh i certainly get a good laugh out of you know and and good camaraderie out of that australian approach i don't know if you want to touch on that at all
1: yeah uh, no well look it's interesting (laughs) you brought that up because uh you know i i've met him once uh earlier in his career a long time ago um socially and um what you see is what you get with him and and I really relate to and resonate with his, you know, straight-up directness uh, when it comes to issues. And if if anyone out there listening hasn't heard or seen some of his uh, material, I do recommend you do. It's quite funny. But uh, just a uh, a warning, Um, there is some colourful use of vocabulary, so... uh, if you're offended, uh, put some earplugs in, but um, I, I quite like him. And, and so, yeah, I, I share that uh, that with you, Mark. I, I, I quite like him. And, and further to that, I, uh, I, I did get your uh, picture text message about the dates of his performance. And, and, and by the way, I haven't responded to that, but I'll do it now. And we are definitely going in the front, front row.
0: I love it. I love it. <laughs> sitting humbly, of course.
1: Yeah, no, sitting humbly, uh, legs <laughs> crossed. Yeah.
0: Um, just to come full circle here, Gary, could you share what the name of your business is, where people could find you if they're interested in this type of work sure. um, and and the type of clientele that you uh, served?
1: Yeah, no, no problem. Okay, so uh, the... The uh, institute is called the International Institute for Executive Training or IIET, and the website to find us on is very simple. It's just www.iiet.us. In terms of of the clients, I mean, look, over the years, I mean, we have a a very, uh, uh, you know, proliferic, um, you know, list of clients um, uh, around the world. So, you know, um, mining oil and gas companies, Shell Oil have been one, um, Rio Tinto Mining, or iron ore company in Australia. Um, we can look at a number of banks around the world, Barclays Bank around the world, um, uh, Fiji Development Bank. I work with, uh, I've been into the Congo working with, um, a, uh, a, a community bank that helps you know uh, people get micro loans. Um, doing that, I presented and work with um, the International Atomic Energy Agency in the UN in Vienna um, last oh, just before COVID. Um, so you know the clients vary: Coca Cola um, around the world. Uh, you know, so the list goes on. The, the website sort of gives you a fair indication of, of some of the uh, the companies and, and, and industry and government I've worked with. Um, so that gives you a little bit about, you know, the, the, the profile and, and sort of what we do. Um, and the website will sort of get you in contact with me if, uh, if we can
0: assist. Yeah, terrific. And I'll be sure that this goes into the podcast notes so anyone looking who may be in the uh, corporate space, or if you're just looking for some professional leadership, uh, Gary's a wonderful person that has helped a lot of entrepreneurs amongst corporate um, in all kinds of different industries. I I consider you the same as me. We're industry agnostic. Yes. Um, You know, but from the music world to the entertainment world, uh, you've, you've been across a lot of these industries. So please, if you if you feel called, Gary's uh, details will be in the notes of the podcast. And I just want to give you a heartfelt thanks for being on my podcast. This is my second podcast. And uh, thank you for being a great friend, a great mate. You've always supported me, both professionally and personally. And uh, I have the best times with you. So cheers.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mark, and and you know look, likewise. Um, you know, it's always a, a pleasure. You know, when uh, when you did uh, did a few uh, jobs for me, um, we went on and, and did some work. Um, you know, it was fantastic, and you did a fantastic job. The feedback was amazing, um, even within your own uh, you know career. You know, I've seen what you've been doing, working with some high-profile entrepreneurs over the last four years, and the 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 types of you know, work you did for them was far and beyond what anyone, you know, could ask. And and I don't think they fully understood how valuable you you were to them. But um, you know, I, I saw the the tremendous amount of work and, and results you achieved. So, you know, you, you need to be commended and recognized for that. So I, I'll I'll do that now. And yeah, I appreciate um appreciate it. Yeah, no, mate. And and on a personal level, yes, mate, it's it's a, it's always fun. Um for those listening, uh Mark is an amazing golfer. Uh <laughs> I, I am not. And subsequently he's taken some time out to uh to teach me some of the finer aspects of golf, seeing I've not spent much time. So we're due to probably do that in the next couple of weeks, I would imagine.
0: Uh that sounds great. All right, Gary. Well, thanks again. And uh thank you, listeners, for tuning in. More thanks, to come. Mark.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mark. All the best and uh, keep it up. I think it's going to be a fantastic uh, podcast series. Appreciate it. Bye for now. Cheers, mate. Bye.